Happy Mother's Day to all of you. I am really excited. This Mother's Day, I get the honor of sharing my Mother's Day with my son, who is turning 10 years old today. 10 years ago, we had him, which means about, hmm, I don't know, nine and a half years ago. No, sorry. Ten and a half years ago, we announced that we were pregnant with him. So we waited a little longer with him to let people know that we were pregnant for a couple reasons. Um, the main one being just people can sometimes, although well-intentioned, be really weird when you let them know that you're pregnant. So let me just tell you why. So your first pregnancy, people are super excited for you. They're all like, oh, yay, you're pregnant. You know, how are you feeling? How you doing? And you're like, you really don't want to know how I am actually feeling. I mean, I could go down a big rabbit trail and you would, it would not be pretty. So, you know, we just smile and say, we feel great. Oh, it's such a blessing. I love feeling sick all the time um, and my body not being my own. So then you go on to have your second. And for Chris and myself, we had our set, we were pregnant with our second just like five months or so after having our first. And so people congratulate, you, you know, yay, congratulations, they're really close together. You know, did you mean to do that? And you're like, yep, we did. That was all planned. Uh, so then you go to have your third. And at this point, you're like, hey, we're pregnant. And people are like, wow, why? Do you know how that happens? And you're like, yeah, yeah, we do. Thank you. You know, just it's weird. People are happy for you, but they just don't know what to say. So anyways, I'm excited that he is now 10 today. If you see him uh, when you leave today, give him a happy birthday. Let him know uh, how loved he is. My kids are really sweet, and they were so sweet this morning. Like, they all had gifts for me, and Chris had gifts for me, and like, they're just precious. So I want to tell you a quick story about how sweet, you know, my children are because you know kids are always sweet right so a couple weeks ago uh chris well we decided to go out as a family by we i i decided that we were going to go out as a family because i tell you what i did not want to go shopping with five all five of my kids by myself so i was like hey we're all home we're gonna go do this shopping trip so we load up all the kids in our car and we make our first stop our first stop is rural king i don't know if you've ever been there but this was only my second time and so we went in we took the kids i was like kids guess what they have chickens here so we're like we're gonna go look at the chickens real quick because i thought my kids could just look at the chickens no no, we're looking at the chickens, and they're like, Mom, can we please buy one? You know you want one, right? They're so cute. They, like, cluck, and they're just so cute. And I'm like, nope, no. We had a guinea pig that I spent just, like, five-ish dollars on, and I am not doing that again. We're not making that mistake again. So I crushed my children's dreams, and they don't get chickens. So we continue on, and we, I mean, we are going to lunch. We're going shopping for shoes. I mean, this is, this is fun. This is great. The entire time, like from the moment we got in the car, my kids were fighting. Like, we have a car that's big enough that nobody needs to actually touch one another. But somehow we were. There was touching. There was fighting. They were laying on each other and hitting each other and yelling. I'm like, what is going on? So I finally got fed up. I said, that is enough. We are not fighting anymore. This is fun. And we are going to have fun. We're going to go do this together. It's going to be a good time. So I'm like, no more fighting. Or I will make you all go home. And I will do this by myself. I didn't want to do it. So I was like, we're going to have fun. And I hear Chris in the front row or in the driver's seat. And he goes, yeah, 
this is fun. I'm like, yeah, I hear your sarcasm. Thank you. No, this is. So, so anyway, we finally get to the mall, which is the biggest thing that we needed to do because my kids needed shoes and we needed birthday presents. So by the time we get there, we only have like 45 minutes to get all this done. So we divided and conquered. Chris took the younger ones and they went and got shoes and I took my older kids to go buy their birthday present. So we got done a little quicker than those that were getting shoes and we weren't going in that store because, you know, they only allow like five people in at a time and our family takes up that. So we decided to stop in the do- store next door to the shoe store. So I'm in there and I've got my two older, remember, with me. So we're looking, and I'm like, oh, look at these jeans. These are really cool. Like, I think I should maybe buy them. And my girls look at me, and they go, no, you cannot buy those. Those are not cool. And I'm like, okay, so what is cool? So they start showing me, and I'm like, I don't know that I can wear that. So anyways, so we, how sweet is that, right? They're telling me that I'm not cool. I mean, I guess I should consider it sweet of them that they, won't, they don't want me to walk around looking uncool. So I don't know, maybe that is sweet. So I took them shopping, and uh, they ended up helping me pick out a pair of jeans. So today, I am wearing my mom outfit, okay? So these jeans my kids picked out, and if you don't think they're cool, I don't care, because my kids do, and that's all that matters. I'm wearing my mom's sweatshirt because I am proud to be a mom. And, uh, well, I'm wearing tennis shoes because just comfy. But when I was thinking about today, I honestly was thinking, I need to dress up today. Like, I need to put on my very best outfit. You know, the one that I look best in? Because I'm going to be on stage. There might be a picture taken. I should be sure that I'm looking my very, very best. We're going to do my hair today and put some makeup on. But I decided that I didn't want to do that today. And here's why. One, because I'm proud of my kids and I appreciate the things that they do for me. And so I wanted to honor them today. But secondly, I wanted to remind you, this is what I would wear on a normal day. This is what I'd get up and put on to do all the things that I do as a mom. And your ordinary, everyday stuff is extraordinary, and it matters, and it's of high value. So today, I wanted to remind you of that, that that matters, and what you do matters. It's really hard being a mom, you know? It's, you're dealing with, like, attitude from your teenager. You're dealing with a crying baby. You're dealing with whatever it may be, and sometimes you feel like you're rocking it, and like, I got this mom thing together, and I'm awesome. And other days, you're like, yeah, I think I'm messing them all up. I have no clue what I'm doing. And sometimes you're just keeping them alive, and by the end of the day, you lay down, and I'm like, well, hey, they're still living and breathing, and they were fed. Sometimes that's all you can do, but what you do matters, and it makes a big difference. And honestly, all of it is kingdom work, and all of it takes great faith. So this morning, I'm thrilled that I get to bring you a word that continues on in our sermon series of the faith journey, because what we do each and every day takes faith. It requires great faith. It's not always just for healing. We find it easy to pray, I think, when we need something when we're looking for healing and when we're looking for God's promises to happen and we're, we're doing all that, that's where we feel faith needs to come up. But you need faith every day in everything that you do. And so today we're going to take a look at that. So starting in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's what we hope for in the future 
and it's for what we haven't seen yet. In this context, faith actually isn't talking about faith for the little things. It's talking about faith for the future. But it also goes along with the little things because if you don't have faith for the little things, then how are you going to see faith for the, how are you going to have faith for the future? If we sum it up, faith really could just be defined as being about the future and about the unseen. What we do in the everyday is in light of the faith that we have for the future. For example, when we pray, oftentimes we're praying just for, like I talked about, those big things, right? Like that's what we find we need to pray for. So we encounter a problem, we encounter an issue, something that we're seeing right in front of us. And that's what we focus on. We're praying for that thing. But what if instead of praying for that thing, we instead shift our focus and start praying for the future that we don't see right now? So rather than attacking what's right in front of us, we look beyond it to what we can't see. That is faith. And if we could figure that out, it would change everything. It would change how we approach our family. It would change how we approach our job. It would change how we approach our ministry, our marriage. When we could pray about what we want to see rather than what we're seeing right now. If we could figure that out, faith would stop being just an idea that we pull up when we feel like we need it. And it would start becoming who we were. We would be people of faith. Okay, so who you are. Has anyone here ever taken a personality test of any kind? Like, there's several out there. Okay, keep your hand raised if you like personality tests. Okay, so y'all are my people. So I love personality tests. I think they're great. Chris, on the other hand, he thinks they're stupid and doesn't understand why he has to take them. Like, during his master's program when he was doing that, I remember, like, one whole semester, what he had, I don't know, four or five personality tests he had to take. And he was like, why do I have to take these? He's like, I don't care. I know who I am. I don't need a test to tell me who I am. And I'm like... I don't know, I think they're kind of interesting because I get to know more about who I am and I get to learn more about who other people are. I just think it's fascinating because I feel like when we know those things and we can understand people a little better. For instance, the Enneagram test may be one of my favorite personality tests out there because it's not just a personality test. Like the purpose of it is to help you grow, to be better, a better version of you, better and not just sit in your personality, but instead become a better version of it. So if you don't know what that is, look it up because I don't have time to fully explain it to you, but it's awesome. So I, I took the test, you know, you get your number. And then it gives you a definition of your personality, which most personality tests do. So I'm like, that's great. You know, awesome. That sounds just like me. That's pretty cool. But I want to go further than that. I don't just want a definition of it. I would like to have a description of it. I want examples. I want to know, well, what does that look like? How does that play out in life? What are those things? The book of Hebrews chapter 11 does that for us. When it comes to faith, it doesn't just feel it's okay to tell us what faith is, but goes on to give us example after example after example of what that looks like and how it plays out in our lives. These men and women of the Bible are incredible. Like they have great faith. And I think a lot of times we compare ourselves to them. Like that's where we think faith lies are in these massive moments, you know, people who were doing crazy things and that's the faith that they needed to have and we feel like we should be like that. So if we need to be like that in order to have great faith, I think that we should probably figure out what made that. How does having faith have anything to do with the stuff that we do? So today we're going to start 
uh, looking at three things that help us to become people of great faith. The first one is we have to be spirit-empowered. John 14, verse 16 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. This I here in the scripture is Jesus, and Jesus is saying that he's going to ask the Father to send us a helper. It wasn't enough for Jesus just to walk here with us, to die for us, but he wanted to be in us. He wanted to send us a helper to help us each and every day in every moment, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus gave it to me, then it's probably pretty important, I'd say, wouldn't you? That if he said, that's what I need, if that's his gift to me, then I should want it. So what's that look like? Why is that important? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 say, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. When we were saved, Jesus sealed us. So what's that look like? You know, when we, when we claim something as ours, to seal something is to claim it as ours. So I know when we've sent our kids to camp, for instance, I take all of their stuff and I try to write their name on everything that I'm sending with them to make note this is theirs. If they were to leave their room and they were to come back to their room, they would still have their stuff because it had their name on it and nobody should touch it. Or if you have food, for example, in a fridge, I'm not sure why anyone would take food that does not belong to them. But apparently it happens because it used to happen to us all the time. We would be putting food in the work fridge and then you'd come back to eat it, and it's gone. I mean, who does that? Who takes somebody else's leftovers? I think that would be disgusting. If you do it, more power to you. <laughs> Enjoy that free food. But uh, I hope the person wasn't sick who ate it before. But um, so Chris and I started writing our name on our food when we put it in the office fridge, and we would write real big our name so that, like, you could not miss it. If you took it, you were just being spiteful. And we might have gone on to say, like, do not touch this. If you do, we will cut you. I, I don't know why that was what we felt, but we were serious about our food. Do not take it, because when we come for it, we better find it. There's a day when Jesus is coming back for you, and he's coming back for me. And when he does, he's going to find you because he has sealed you. He has already put his name on you. And his name put, being put on you says, do not touch this child because they're mine. You cannot touch them. There is no weapon formed against you that will prosper because you're more than a conqueror. God's blood, Jesus' blood is on you and he has sealed you and he's coming back for you. This is just the beginning. It goes on to talk about our inheritance, right? And so our inheritance is for the future. And what is faith? Faith is for the future and for the unseen so if faith is for the future, then our faith would be for our inheritance, right? So it says that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance, of our promise, of what's to come. So a guarantee is a financial term that is basically saying, here is a taste of what you're going to get in your inheritance. It's a portion. Like, you don't get the full thing. Most people do not receive their inheritance um, early. They would receive it later on. So it'd be something you'll get later. So the guarantee that we are given of the Holy Spirit is just a taste of what we're going to get later on in the future. 
It's a promise that will come to full later on. And when we can understand the value of the Holy Spirit, then that will change how you view everything. You're going to become bold. You're going to want to proclaim him. You'll be empowered to do so because he's filled you and he's with you because you have great faith. People ask me a lot how I can get up on stage and how I can how I can preach or how I can just worship and not care what other people are thinking or how I can pray out loud. And I'll be honest, like every time I get up, whether it's announcements or it's to give a word, I am so nervous. I actually have to talk myself, like be like, just calm down. Like what is the matter with you? Like you feel like your stomach is in your throat every time. But I can do it because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you no longer care about what anybody thinks about you because you care more about what they think about him than what they think about you. And so when you can walk in that boldness, when you can stand in that, then it won't matter any longer. That is faith. Faith is the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The word for faithfulness here is the same word as the word faith. So faith would be a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit, which we do because we were told that we were stamped with it and it's our guarantee of a promise for the future, then a fruit of that is going to be faith. As we're walking in the Spirit, we will be empowered and we will have faith. So to have faith, we have to be Spirit-empowered. We also have to be kingdom-minded. And that's my second point this morning. Hebrews 11, we see a bunch of stories like we talked about of great people of faith. We see people like Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Moses, all these great people of faith, right? Well, Hebrews 11, verse 13, starting in verse 13, It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city." First of all, they, you, did you hear in there that they did not receive what was promised to them? And we see throughout here that some of them received portions of it, right? Like we know that Abraham and Sarah, they, they had their promised child, the one that they had waited so long to receive. But yet it says that they died in faith, not having received what was promised. And why is that? It's because their focus was not just on what was right here and now, but their focus was on eternity. So they had not seen the fullness of their promise, even though they'd received a portion of it, because they knew that it was beyond what they saw right here and right now. When we can understand that the end game isn't today, but instead it's forever, that it's eternity, that's going to change things for you. When, as a mom, I can recognize that every little bit of everything that I'm doing that's right in front of me that seems crazy, mundane, horrible, or great, when I can recognize that that's not all that there is, that there's more than that, I will be a better parent. You know, when you have moments where your children, I don't know how many of you have had this happen, but, you know, your kid comes to you at 9 o'clock at night, and they're like, Mom, I have a project due tomorrow. And you're like, did you just find out about this? And they're like, 
no, I've known about this for three weeks, but I'm just now telling you, but it's due tomorrow, so can you help me? And you go and you have to find all this stuff and do that. That's kingdom work. When you're scrubbing dishes in the sink and you just wish your kids would wash them off before putting them in the sink so it's not all crusted on now and you have to like scrape it off. That's kingdom work. When you're up with a baby all night long and you're having to hold them all day because if you put them down, they just will cry and you don't get anything else done. And you feel like, man, I just didn't accomplish anything. That's kingdom work. Every bit of everything that you're doing is kingdom work. And it's not just for moms. It's Mother's Day, so we can focus on a mom, but it's in your job. It's in the ministry area that you serve in. It's in your neighborhood. It's in all of it. We have to set our eyes on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Because it's not about just getting through this moment, but about making this moment matter for eternity. It makes a difference, and it's all kingdom work, every bit of what we do, and we're all a part of raising the kingdom. So that brings me to my final point, which is that we need to be generationally focused. At the end of Hebrews 11, in verse 39, it says, and all these, though commended through their faith, they were honored for their faith. That's what they were known for. Did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The stories in the Bible are not complete without your story. These great men and women of faith don't have a completed story without your story, and your story is not complete without the stories of the people in the Bible and the people that are to come after you. It's not complete, and you are needed, and they are needed in order for our stories to continue, and we have to make our story about eternity. Can you see it? Can you greet it from afar even though you don't see it right now? Can you see beyond the chaos of what our world is? If you were to sit and you were to like sh shake your hand in front of you, right? It's like chaos. Like there's a lot going on. There's so much that you see that's right in front of you. And if you just focus on what you're looking at, then you can't see beyond. But can you have faith to see beyond what you see right now, to see the purpose of what you're doing is eternity? Why launch a campus when we're not full here? You can look around. we got plenty of seats for plenty of people. Why are we launching a campus? Why launch when it's comfortable here? Why do we have two services? We don't need two services, right? Like, we're not full and let me tell you, I know that there are people that I am seeing each and every week that I, there's going to come a day here in September where I am not going to see them every day. And honestly, if you think about it, it's like, that's a little sad. I'm going to miss seeing some of these people every day. But it's about the kingdom. And that's why we do it. That's why we serve on teams. That's why we get involved in the nursery and why we rock babies. It's why we why we do what we do, why we open our home for life groups. It's because it's about the kingdom to have generation after generation after generation come to know Jesus. If we can recognize that everything we do here and now is part of kingdom work, it changes everything. What do I see when I look at my kids? I see mighty men and women of God. When I look at the kids down in kids' church, mighty men and women of God. I'll look at my son 
uh, my t- we'll just say my 10-year-old, you know, I'll look at him, and he could have not followed through with something I asked him to do. He could have, like, had a rough day, and I'll still get down on his level, and I'll look at him, and I'll say, Jordan, you are a mighty man of God, and I'm so proud of you. And do you know why? Because I see beyond that moment to what he is and what he's going to be. I can look at you guys and I can look at these empty seats and I see generation after generation of people who are mighty men and women of God. And there is something for you beyond what you see right now. And if we can grasp that, then the little mundane things don't matter that they're mundane because they matter for eternity. They make a huge difference. If we can grasp these concepts, we can literally change the world. We can raise the change. We can be the change. We can help people become better than where they are right now. It's all kingdom work, and it's all a part of raising the kingdom. Every bit of it, and every one of us has an opportunity. When you are rocking a baby in the nursery or you're, getting, you're saying hello to a kid as they walk by, or a, you're greeting a new guest when they come in, or you're making coffee in the coffee shop, because guess what? Us moms, we need coffee. I mean, I need a lot of it most days. It matters. Being on the worship team, it matters. It is all kingdom work. When you see it all is no longer an inconvenience, but instead is an opportunity. It gives new life to your everyday, ordinary, day in and day out living. But it all starts with faith, and it starts with the ability to see what has not yet been seen. So this morning, if you would, would you stand with me all across this room? And if today you say, that's me, I agree that I want to be a person who is full of faith, somebody who can see beyond what I see right now and can believe for what I do not see because it all matters for eternity. Would you just raise your hands with me? And I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you so much this morning for these people, God, who are willing to say, I want to have faith to believe for what I can't see. That I want to have faith to believe in the people that are around me, for my children, for my coworkers, for my neighbors. I'm willing to be a person who works in ministries and who sees it all as kingdom work. From mowing the lawn to preaching the word, God, that it is all, every bit, a part of your kingdom. God, I pray that we would all recognize our responsibility, Lord, to be people who raise the kingdom of God. Help us today, God, to do that. We worship you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.